the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, third hour of the show. Kicking off a brand new week. And uh, so much to cover. I know we've covered a lot of little weird different stories, but I think these are also important, especially my quest to make sure we're shining the light on uh, nonprofits that could use help. And I will be tweeting out links to the two nonprofits I told you about earlier, Splashes of Hope and uh, the Pajama Program. They are two that I regularly support. And if you want to know more about them, they're, they're both great organizations run by great women. And uh, speaking of great women, one, one of whom joins us on a regular basis, uh, usually when we kick off a week, and, and last week was no exception as she joined us on Wednesday when we had the short week. Oh, I miss those three-day work weeks so much. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about Dr. Wendy Patrick. Wendy I uh, I hope you had a great weekend. Welcome back to the program. How are you? you. I I missed you there. You are you with us? Always a pleasure. Happy Monday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, sometimes it's not so. I'm I'm mad at the state of Oregon. I, you weren't here, and I didn't hip you to this. But did you see the story of out of Oregon about these two new bills they've got? No. They are decriminalizing. Use of meth, uh, cocaine, heroin, and uh, ecstasy. Oh, I just pulled it up. No way. Yeah, I know. Isn't that bizarre? I see. I see that they're bills. Uh, Oregon. One of them's headed to the governor's oh desk. Uh, I see it right now. HB twenty three fifty five. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah. Keep an eye on that one. It's headed to the governor's you desk. Bet. So. Oh. We will we will watch that. Now, uh, a couple of the issues that Wendy and I were prepped for. I, I love surprising Wendy because she always moves so quickly. I she she must have, <laughs> I a, have a crazy supercomputer. When I'm on the phone with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very nimble on the keys. Uh, but th- <laughs> this this story, I posted a vital question earlier today about the Ivanka Trump story because it bothered me that Keith Olbermann and many, many, many people who have the resist moniker out there, uh, many of those folks were just going after the fact that Ivanka Trump was at the table and they were losing their minds. Uh, and 76% of my audience on the Vital Question poll says they were totally fine with it. But there's still 20%, meaning one out of five people out there, still doesn't think it's a good idea. Uh this this just astounds me that they don't look past just the seat and look at the content that was going on in the meeting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think part of the part of what we see every time something like this happens is everyone just gets stirred up initially and it takes a while to get calmed down. And, you know, the, there's really been some nasty criticism, you know, oh, it's not take your daughter to work day. I mean, just the tenor of some of the objections. Now, having said that, there are others that genuinely and respectfully just wanted to know the rules. Is it true as 
Angela Merkel explained that the delegation uh, chooses who will sit in, even if they do have others available, whether it be Rex Tillerson or someone else. So procedurally, it appears that some of the criticism, at least that we've seen, stems not from arguably is she qualified to take her father's seat for a bit, but gosh, it's a family member and not an elected official, or it's a family member and not a cabinet member that was formally appointed. But remember the the titles she carries, whether she takes a salary or not, uh, senior advisor to the president. He was okay with it. Some of the other people there were okay with it. And there's really no rule anyone can cite that says it was in a, obviously not illegal. Some are arguing it's inappropriate. I think that's the farthest that we've gotten. Well, it's interesting to me, and I, I, I offered this uh, question to some of the folks out there who were really going after me, and I had 10 times the normal Twitter traffic on Saturday when I approached Mr. Olbermann on this. By the way, he was invited to join us on this discussion and uh, has not responded. He got silent after mm-hmm. I invited him. So he did respond yeah. initially, and then once I said, well, why don't you come on the air and talk about it? And nothing. Silence. But... The, the story, and, and I'm, I'm wondering if you've heard any more on this. Ivanka and, and um, Chelsea Clinton were good friends leading up to right. this election. But as of March of this year, there's been no formal statement about that. I'm betting they're still talking, but they just don't want anybody to know. Well, it's interesting that you bring this up because a lot of people, obviously, you know, the president was making the comparison. Gosh, if it was Chelsea that took her mother's slot, they'd say she should run for president. There's been a lot of uh, Twitter traffic on that. As far as the relationship between Chelsea and Ivanka, you know, would like to believe that they still are friends. But in this day and age, in the digital world we live in, Mike, I don't know how there wouldn't have been some kind of a leak that would have established that. It may simply be one of these relationships that even if both of these young ladies wanted to continue probably wouldn't even be possible. The heat that they would take would probably be unbearable. And that's unfortunate because we've seen, uh, at least in this administration so far, and certainly in administrations past, sometimes politics ruins friendships. I mean, you know, I've done segments on the air about how politics has ruined Facebook friendships to where people can't even use social media to keep up with friends and family because it's infused with the divisive nature of our political agenda. And that would also explain why, as good of friends as they were before, they probably were unable to continue it. It's a shame. It is a shame. And it also uh, it it hits me because uh, I have to be honest and say I have limited some of my Facebook postings to be non blaze related stuff. Because some of my old friends who went to our very liberal college in Texas can't deal with it. They just can't wrap their heads around the fact that, oh, my gosh, he's a gun-toting conservative. And it it just blows them away. Uh, I'm going to shift topics on you. And I want to get to – I have two here that I want to get to. Don Jr.'s meeting with the Russian lawyer. Mr. Beck laid out all the facts on his show today and then talked about it. But this all turns for me on one question. If I were running for office or if my dad were running for office or any family member and somebody called me and said, hey, we've got a whole bunch of really toxic info on your opponent. Why don't you meet with us? Most of us would say, of course, I want to see it because it's it's a leg up. 
you know. That's right. You know, and that's what Don Trump Jr. said. You know, it's oppo research. Everybody does it. The reason it's in the headlines, uh, in, at least in, in some areas, remember that not everybody is making a big stink about this. But the argument is within the Trump administration, within the Trump family, all roads don't lead to Rome. They lead to Russia. And it is against that backdrop that we've been hearing for the last year that this new information comes forward. You know, it's interesting, though, Mike, I wonder if it would be as headline news as it is had Don Trump Jr. not changed his story from one day to the next. Remember, first it was about Russian adoption, and then it was, well, the meeting was set to occur in the first place because supposedly this woman had information about uh, Hillary's ties to Russia, et cetera. And then, you know, there's much made about, well, he changed his story. Why did he do that? Why wasn't he just honest up front? So it almost becomes about procedure, not content. The more we talk about this, which begs the question, is the content even important? Which is, by the way, the point Donald Jr. is making today. Well, again, procedure versus content. This is this is another really interesting thing you brought up, because if we have really content that is innocuous, the content of the meeting is doesn't mean anything. But yet it was uh, obscured from us, the fact that it existed for a long time. And then finally, we coerced the information out and we learn about it. And it was something that was hidden from us. Then it seems to cast doubt on the cloud or put a cloud over what the content was. It's like Dr. Doctor, like Judge Judy always says, if you lie to me once, I doubt the rest of everything you're saying to me. <laughs> you know, not yeah, to go back true. to it, the law school of Judge Judy, but you know, it's it it does seem that this administration at times causes itself more trouble by having to go back and amend their stories after the fact. That's right. And, you know, Mike, as you were talking, it also, you know, you almost called her Dr. Judy. It also reminded me that titles matter. And I was going to kind of segue from that. Remember the way that this woman has been portrayed uh, in social media and online. And, and, you know, they talk, they've called her a Russian government advocate. They talk about her with ties to the Kremlin. In other words, the titles, whether they're accurate or inaccurate, they color the story. They, you know, if she were, you know, assistant to President Putin, we would be obviously having a whole other conversation. But the fact that they're characterizing this lawyer one way or another lends credibility or detracts from the credibility of the entire story. Uh, remember what Rens Priva said, of course, uh, over the weekend, he calls it a quote, big nothing burger. <laughs> so labels and titles seem to get people either excited or bored with different news stories. And that seems to have characterized this story from the beginning. And we're still seeing it either wax or wane, depending on how you how you refer to it, how you refer to the people involved. And you talk about him changing a story. I want to toss in one more thing. Whether or not this was reported is also at issue. Apparently he didn't, but the other two people that were there did. Uh, was, it a, was it a mistake, an omission, or, you know, was it intentional? So there's that issue as well. We have to keep an eye on this stuff, and that, that's why I rely on you. We're talking to Dr. Wendy Patrick, wendypatrickphd.com, uh, author, expert witness, all kinds of trial experience, keeps an eye on people, and studies what they're up to. Uh, now, today, Wendy, I think this latest Comey story about the leaked information, uh, I think this pops 
because the Don Jr. meeting popped. I think this was, don't look at the Don Jr. story. What about the FBI director leaking classified documents to his friends? Because wasn't, didn't we know about this before? Well, here's the thing is James Comey alleged that the, what he leaked was not classified. And, and now whether or not we're going to retroactively classify it, you know, that's shades of the Hillary Clinton investigation, isn't it? But, you know, Comey is a very smart man. And one of the things that he did that he said he did is he discussed this internally within the FBI to decide what could be shared and how it could be shared in a personal, private capacity so as to make sure it wasn't going to be labeled as classified. So what's going to be interesting here, and there's really, I know everybody's talking about that, that piece that ran in the Hill, there's really not a lot of detail about exactly how we know for sure those were classified at the time he sent them, if they're even classified now. This is a work in progress. So again, we're, we're operating on a headline without really looking beneath, at least in, in hopefully the detail we'll begin to in the days upcoming, to determine is this really legitimate that he knowingly violated the FBI rules at least by sharing classified information, or are we looking at it in retrospect and saying, we now have an argument as to how we can make this document classified, even though Comey didn't know it at the time. So I'm not sure we've gotten to the bottom of what exactly happened here uh, to be able to say with any definitiveness he intentionally leaks classified information to the reporter. I don't think he would have done that. He's too smart. Yeah, I would hope that the director of the FBI and now former director of the FBI would be smart enough to know that would be a problem. But yet I listened to uh, Jason Chaffetz this morning, and he seemed to be, now that he's out of Congress and headed to, uh, I think he's getting a locker at Fox very soon. Uh, But Jason (laughs) Chaffetz sounded pretty solid in his interpretation that the information in there was either classified or high level, and either way was the property of the United States government and should not have been leaked which that yeah. that's also another way into this, isn't it? It is, and you make you bring up a great point, because remember that part of what came out during the Hillary Clinton investigation was that it doesn't need to have a big C on it. If it's obviously discussing information that's highly sensitive or would be considered classified, it doesn't need to be marked. In other words, remember, we were talking about some of her emails being born classified, is what a lot of people were calling it. In other words, it didn't need a special marking for you to know not to share it. James Comey took great pains, at least during his testimony, to explain what he did, how he perceived it, as to make sure that nothing he shared was of that category. And he actually was very meticulous about it. Remember, Mike, this is a guy that's meticulous enough to actually take breaks to create memoranda of a lot of the meetings he had with the president, particularly surrounding uh, the mention of Mike Flynn, because he was worried that what he said later was going to be contradicted. So it's just hard to believe, and I suppose we'll eventually get to the truth of this, but it's hard to believe somebody that was that meticulous in one area would be so reckless, admittedly so, admitting the leaking in another. I, I guess we're going to eventually get to the bottom of it. No doubt Robert Mueller will get to the bottom of it as well as, you know, it's going to be shared with the American people. But it's just on its face, it seems amazing that this could have occurred the way uh, Mr. Chapis is saying that it did. Yeah, I think they threw this grenade out there today because of the Don Jr. stuff. But we'll see. We'll see. Dr. Wendy Patrick, always a pleasure. Before we go, three quick questions. Since it is Pina Colada Day, will you be having a Pina Colada today? No, no. <laughs> okay. I mean, you can. I'm not judging. I'm just asking. Do you have a fidget spinner? I, I would spinner? have a virgin one, but I don't think I get a break to do that. It sounds, very, it sounds okay. like a great idea for you. <laughs> very good. Thank you. Do you own a fidget spinner? 
A what? One of those things you put between your fingers and spin? No, no, I don't. I'll save my third question for another time as I have to get away for a break. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Wendy. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Just around the corner, we're going to talk to our buddy Ernesto. Remember Ernesto at Nerdnesto? Yeah, he's got an update on uh, some of the work he's doing. He's continued to help our vets, continued his mission to help our vets. So we're going to see what we can do to help him. He's got some news. Uh, but before we get to that, I have to remind you, there are more people checking in with us and telling the same story that I'm telling you that if you have pain from inflammation, relief factor is waiting for you to try it. It helped me. It's all natural anti-inflammatory and the quick start pack three week quick start pack is 1995, just 1995. Don't take my word for it. Take the words of Todd Bennett. Well, I thought we were going to have Todd Bennett here, but his testimonial has frozen. So I'll get back to that. But let me explain to you what happened to me. I've been taking Relief Factor since early April. And Relief Factor has helped me without the the side effects that you get from prescription drugs. And now the pain in my knees is gone. The pain in my hips is, is manageable. The pain in my back is pretty much missing in action. And I have not taken a gel cap. I have not taken anything over the counter just because I don't. So the only thing I'm taking is all natural relief factor. It reduces the inflammation, which eliminates the pain. Worked for me. I hope it works for you. It's working for thousands. Check them out at relieffactor.com or call them. Speak to them about it directly. They'll answer your questions. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It's relief factor. You need you need to do if you're in pain, why are you waiting? Uh when we get back, I, I do have to cover a couple of different things. Um do you remember when Barack Obama said that insulting thing about the Special Olympics? Basketball. I imagine the bowling alley has been just burned and closed down. No, no. Oh, I've, no been pract- I've been practicing really? bowling. Really? I uh I bowled a one twenty nine. Good. Yeah. Oh, that's very I'm good, sporting. Mr. President. This is like, like Special Olympics. Or Remember that? That was June of 2009. Barack Obama said he he bowled a, a 129, and it was like Special Olympics or something. Remember that remark? Yeah, I do. Well, guess what? Guess whose wife is getting an award from the Special Olympics? Interesting. I guess they forgot about this. I guess it's okay if it's just your husband. I'm sorry, but that's a little insensitive. There's a lot of other people doing great work. 
great work to help the Special Olympics. It sickens me. We'll be back with Ernesto. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a uh, a busy day. Things are flying by. I'll tell you, there's so much going on. We've covered a lot of different stories. Dr. Wendy Patrick was here earlier, and we went into some of the politics. And, of course, we covered the uh, story of the goats that are taking jobs away from the unions. And I, I did not tweet out a link to that story. That's coming up. I'll take care of that. We also talked about running with the Bulls in Pamploma and the Chicago guy who's been gored twice now, twice in the last three years, and, and he insists on going back. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, third time might be the charm for the Bulls, sir. I, I don't know if Bill Hillman gets it. And I just I check in with him because I'm, I'm always keeping up on what our friend Ernesto Rodriguez is doing at Nerdnesto on Twitter. He, of course, is the veteran who um, graciously shared his story of walking across the country to the Pacific starting on Veterans Day last year from his home home base in Tennessee and making it all the way to the Pacific Ocean just a, a few a few months ago. A powerful story of of experiencing uh, this this nation on foot and making contact with people like himself who serve this country and want to make sure that the Veterans Administration does good things for those we promise to take care of. Uh, I just I just saw, because as I said, I follow at Nerd Nesto on Twitter, and so should you, that uh, he's doing something new with a, a new special shirt that is uh, going to be helping out a veterans charity. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Yeah, that's, you know what? That is the mantra here. Happy Monday. Even though there's a, a lot of people have BMP, Bummer Monday phenomenon, but we, nah. we, try, and, we try and fight it off. Um, thank you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give out any spoilers, but uh, Ernesto sent me the first chapter of the book he's working on. I'm very excited, sir. That's all I'm going to tell you. I'm very excited. I'm glad you liked it. And I'm, I can't wait. I, I need more. I need more. But you are uh, you're on to this, uh, this new project with the shirts. Tell us what's going on. Sure. Um, so, as you know, I walked across the country, and I, I got to meet a lot of great people. One of the organizations that I met along the route was in Tucson, Arizona, uh, and they're called Veterans on Patrol. It's run by, actually, a private citizen. He, he never served, um, but he did see the unfortunate uh, outcome of homeless uh, veterans in his state. So he went on a walkabout, and now what he does is he does search and rescue missions. And he goes out to the Sonoran Desert, and he goes out to the local communities in Arizona and finds homeless, homeless veterans and brings them back to, uh, like, a tent city, an encampment. And there they get help getting their ID cards, their VA benefits, um, HUD-DASH housing so that they can get permanent housing while they're out, while they're out there. Uh, and he continues to do this, and, and it's a passion of his. 
Um, and I was lucky enough to stay at one of the encampments uh, for a couple of days uh, and, and see how it was. And the camaraderie was great, and, and the, the message is, is very strong there. So I wanted to find a way to help. Uh, and I don't like taking monetary donation for anything, and this organization doesn't either. They take gift cards and they take gas cards so that they can transport these homeless veterans to their meet their meetings or their appointments to get their housing uh, in order. So I started a new, a new T-shirt campaign. Uh, the, the picture on the T-shirt is actually artwork done by Natalie Lopez, which is another veteran, active duty Air Force, uh, out of Abilene, Texas. And she gave me the proof, and I put it on a shirt. They're being handmade here in my hometown, literally hand-stamped, um, every single one. So everyone's a little bit different. Um, and all, and uh, half the proceeds for that, because I, you know you still have to pay costs for T-shirt and paint and et cetera, uh, but half those proceeds are going to go to veterans on patrol uh, to help them with their mission. Well, I, I saw the story that you posted on your Facebook page under Ernesto Rodriguez and N22, and I just uh, shared it with my my Facebook friends, and I hope people will take a look at this. It, it really is a, a one-of-a-kind thing. Uh, if If you guys want to do something, if you're supporting of causes like this, it's... Um, it's it's a little different than getting a uh, a shirt, and this shirt is pretty powerful. I I've seen it, and it's um, wow! It's an exclusive, right? That's the one with the face on it, and the, yeah. So you with the so flag in the walking. Mm-hmm. So the 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 shirt um, on the bottom right of the shirt is the last picture I took before I did my five miles, uh, with me carrying the flag in the backpack. And then the top left is actually me head down with a beanie on. And that picture was from, it was in the middle of Texas and it was snowing really bad. Uh, and I had started giving up and uh, I took a picture of me with my head down. Uh, it was freezing that day. Um, and that's kind of like the don't give up. So the, the, the problem and the outcome are on that shirt. Well, it's a, it's a really powerful mission and, and the message never loses its impact with me and I'm sure with so many of our listeners. So you you know this this crew will support. If you're not a Facebook person, I'm going to tweet out a link to just the shirt page if you want to see it so you can see what Ernesto's talking about. Uh, what What's next for you, my friend? What's, what's on the horizon? Oh, so many things. <laughs> um, lots of um, roundtable discussions with, with other like-minded people, a couple of debates that I'm doing here in my local community. I'm going to be going up to Nashville to do it as well. Um, and then I may, I'm, I'm considering taking a, a road trip to Tucson to hand the proceeds over uh, in person. I think it would be nice to see them again. Um, and then the book, still still typing away at the book and just continuing forward, trying to help veterans as much as I can. Well, I think that's that's great news. And, and I, I know that your mission is the mission of so many and it, it means a lot to everybody who has uh, someone in the military, someone who served and is trying to, trying to deal with the aftermath of their service, and especially to those who lost someone, especially to suicide. And that we're trying to end those 22 deaths a day that are happening at the hands of our veterans. So, Ernesto, I continue to salute you every day, my friend. And and you and your work are, are in our thoughts and in our prayers all the time. We, we so appreciate you. Thank you so much. Take care. I've just tweeted out a link 
to Ernesto's latest page and the uh, this shirt. I got to see. Uh, I got to see what the budget says because we might want to give some of these away. They are, they are beautiful. They are powerful. They are amazing. Uh, also, I don't know if you caught the morning blaze this morning. Doc Thompson was reporting on the story that uh, President Trump has kept his word and is draining the swamp and doing so with um, with removal of people who worked for the VA but weren't getting the job done in the VA. I know we have talked ad nauseum for three years about people who were in the Veterans Administration and they stood idly by as so many of the men and women who served this country were not getting the care we promised them. And it's estimated that 500 people, 500 people were let go from the VA for not doing the job that we promised our veterans that they would uh, get in terms of care. And I think that's a great sign. I, I think that's a terrific sign. I, government getting rid of people that aren't working. It's so hard to get rid of somebody in, in government once they're in there. That's the, that's the lifelong complaint of people saying we hire people and we never, ever punish someone for non-performance. Well, Thankfully, in the VA, the place that we need performance above all else, it looks like we're finally getting something done. So um, well done, Mr. President, or whomever is behind it. Well done. When we get back, I got a couple of crazy stories I have to get to. Um, there's an, a, another weird story out of Delta. And this one involves cracking wine bottles over the heads of uh, out of control passengers. Uh, there's a, a program, I don't know if you've seen it, on Friday and Saturday nights called Live PD. If you haven't seen it, something amazing happened this weekend. And um, what would you say if you went to your job and you found, I don't know, uh, 107 million spiders on the job site? Yeah, I would say the same thing. And thank God uh, you're not saying it on the radio. I'll explain. When we get back, Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka. Welcome back to Piero Pelka. Busy day. I can't believe uh, we we need to we need to monitor the liberally loving Latino. I, I, he's coming in today and he's all wired up. Uh, maybe he went to his other job and there were 107 million spiders when he got there. That's what was found at a four acre site at the Baltimore wastewater plant. They found a four acre nest of spiders um I, I don't know if i should tweet out a link to the slideshow but uh 95 of the building's interior is covered 95 percent and somebody 
no, nobody counted 107 million spiders. But can you imagine the guy walking into that building? Let's see what's in the uh, wastewater treatment plant building. Oh, my God, there's got to be 107 million spiders in here. Jeez. (laughs) Anyway, Baltimore, what are you doing? I want to know who didn't see it leading up to this. You must not have been spending any time looking. But in every cubic meter of the warehouse or the whatever this building is, they found 35,000 spiders. 35. Okay, everyone's getting chills right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to scare you, but there it is. I didn't, I didn't get into the story about the five most radioactive sites in the world. But suffice it to say, most of them are in places that end with the word Stan. Except for Fukushima. But they're, they're in places in the old Soviet Union. I did mention Delta. Delta had a little problem with uh, a guy in, in first class who kind of lost his mind and tried to open the door. The door to the plane. Yes, while they were in mid-flight. They clocked him on the head with a couple of wine bottles. Finally, finally got him calmed down. But uh, apparently he is the son of a customer service rep for Delta, was flying on a discounted first-class ticket and reportedly told the flight attendant when he was trying to get to the door and open the emergency door in the air, don't you know who I am? First rule in any conflict If you have to um, use the don't you know who I am card, you're going to lose that battle. You're absolutely going to lose that battle. I'm just saying. And um, the, the show Live PD. Live PD is a show that's on Friday nights and Saturday nights on A&E from 9 to midnight. And that just proves to you that I have no life. But Live PD is a show that I have watched Uh, Since its beginning earlier this year, they actually have live cameras in six different cities following police officers on their job. And somebody goes, this is great. Why don't they do it every day? Well, Friday and Saturday, you're going to have stuff happen. That's pretty much a given. So being out and about Friday and Saturday nights in police cars, they've seen some crazy things one of which was a 95-mile-an-hour chase between the police and a guy who was leaving a party where gunshots were heard. 95 miles an hour on a country road in South Carolina, and about five minutes into the chase, the car makes a turn and flips, at which point the guy gets out of the car holding a baby. Now, the car has already flipped, but he's holding a baby using it as a human shield. It's one of the most chilling things I've ever seen on TV, and it was 100% live. I'll tweet out a link to that. Before we get out of here today, I want to tell you about something. I want to tell you about the Dinka and Nur tribes who live in South Sahara, southern Sudan area, sub-Saharan Africa. For years, the Dinka and Nur tribes have pulled out their children's permanent teeth, the front teeth, the two front teeth and the lower teeth, pulled them out. Why? 
Well, years ago when we had tetanus and we did not have tetanus vaccines going all around the world, there was, um, there was tetanus sweeping through these tribes and the kids would get lockjaw so they couldn't eat. Now that lockjaw is gone, the tribes are still pulling the children's teeth. Why? Well, someone's saying because tradition, because that's how we've always done it. I'm just saying, if, if you're doing something without investigating why, and it's something that could be harmful, it would behoove you to take a moment and look. Maybe the Dinkin Noor tribes will stop pulling the teeth of children eventually. It's not needed. And frankly, having those teeth could probably help them going forward. Just saying. Just because somebody else did it forever and ever and ever doesn't mean it's right. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.